This is the Moshpit Backstage Podcast for punk, metal and rock interviews and segments. This is the Demolition Man from Venom Inc. And you are listening to the Mosh Pit on Sin. Tony Dolan is the bassist and vocalist of Venom Inc. Who are releasing their debut album, Are They, on August 11th. Tony, thank you so much for joining me. Hello and thank you. And thank you for having me. It's uh, night time for you and it's day time for me. Two sides of the same planet. Flip <laughs> sides of the coin. But still metal brotherhood and sisterhood across the globe. That's what I love about it. So thank you for having me. You're very, very welcome. Now... I know, I, I know this is the kind of thing, you've been through this a bunch of times, but just briefly, tell us a bit about how Venom Inc. came about. Well, you know, we, uh, myself and Mantis were working as a band called Empire of Evil. Mm. We, we weren't really under a label as such. I was licensing product and we were just doing it all under our own steam touring the world. And then uh, uh, a guy from Germany saw me play where I... And uh, I was playing another show and I got Mantis up as a guest and he then wrote to me afterwards, said how much he enjoyed it, said, did I know Abaddon was in the audience? I said, no. And then he said, uh, um, I was just wondering what it would be like if Abaddon had joined up and you guys had played a few Venom songs. And I said, I laughed and said that would never happen. And then he said, yes, well, I have this festival, 2,000 people. Um, I'd love to book you. And if Abaddon was there, would you do some songs? And I said, man, it's never going to happen. You know, Venom's a car crash. They can't stay on the bike long enough. And he said, like, no, please, please, just for the fans. So I, I called Mantis and suggested it. And he just said, no, no way, no. And then I contacted Abaddon, who said, yeah, sure, why not? So then I went back to Mantis and said, look, you know, this isn't about him joining Empire of Evil, <laughs> which was technically different. This is about us playing some Venom songs for some fans and just having some fun. We don't have a label. We don't have managers. We don't have any pressure. We just go on stage. We play a bunch of songs, have a good time. That's it. And so eventually he conceded and we all spoke and we went, OK, we picked five songs. We flew in from tour. Abaddon flew in. We all met at the festival, uh, 20 years between them seeing each other and 25 years between me seeing Abaddon. But it was uh, it was like the next day we'd seen each other. We were like, yeah, okay, it's all cool. So it seemed quite relaxed. And then we went on stage. We played our show as Empire. And then Abaddon came on. Uh, but by the time he hit the first hi-hat stabs, we just changed. It was like something happened and we knew it was special. Uh, 2,000 people went crazy. They were singing Countess Bathory chorus so loud I couldn't hear the PA. And then we came off and people had posted up on YouTube and we were just starting to get off as going, oh my God, you guys are on tour. Oh, we need to have shows. And there was managements and promoters contacting me. And I was going, wait, wait, we're not a band. We're not a band. We just did this for a, for a guest spot as a, as a favor. It was just some fun. But... You know, it just seemed to be that there was such an interest to, to want to see us that I then spoke to the guides and said, look, this is what's on offer. We don't have any pressure. We don't need to do it for money. We don't need to jump on any bandwagons. We just need to go and be us, be with the fans. They can pick the songs we play. We just have some fun for a year. So that we kind of agreed to do that. So we didn't plan anything. And we didn't certainly didn't think about making an album or anything like that. And, and, and the beauty of the whole thing is, is that into year three, we're still doing it. 
we, I don't know how many shows we've done. We're just about to start another world tour, and now we have an album out, um, and or oh, about to be out next month. And it's like, you know, the beauty of this is we didn't decide to do it. We haven't cashed in on anything. We we're not millionaires. We're not planning anything with any ulterior motive. This is purely fan driven. They drove us to do all the shows we've done. They drove us to tour the world, and they've drove us into making an album. And even from the title of Latin, which is a hail, a hello, a salute, it's it's titled that way for them, for everybody, every photographer, every journalist, every web blogger, every every promoter, every technician, every driver, caterer, everybody who's been part of what we've been for the last almost three years. Uh, we wanted to say thank you, and and that's why the title is of it, to say thank you to everybody. This is your album. We made it because of you. We made it for you, and and hopefully you like it. If you think it's still buy it, just melt it and make it into a hat or something. But, you know, it's your album, and, and it's our way of saying thank you. So when did the music, the creative aspect, come into it? Well, you know, we, you know most bands live locally and they rehearse in their local garage or wherever it is and and um you know we don't have that you know because mantis lives in portugal i live in london and Abaddon lives up in newcastle so when we just thought about making the album it was just a case of going right do we need to get into rehearsals and throw ideas around but what we hadn't realized that we spent two years solidly on the road playing and jamming and discussing so when we looked at what we could do for an album we actually already had all the tools that we 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 would have so it was just a case of putting the pieces together it was like a jigsaw puzzle we already had all the pieces we just pulled them out and they all slipped in and even the you know the artwork for the cover was done like uh, you know a year before before um the artist is a serbian artist and, and an amazing artist milos Tusky. And he had this piece and it, it, it was something that I absolutely loved and it was meaningful to me. And the whole process of that was already there. So it was a case of just slotting everything together. And, and so it was really, really simple in a way, you know. Um, the only the only difficult thing was Mantis questioning the, the stuff he was writing because he wondered if it was going in the right direction or if it was working. And I said, look, you don't have to question it. You know, the whole reason we're out is because people want to see us and hear us playing what we're doing. So, you know, approaching the music, we need to do the same thing. It needs to be honest. If we try and plagiarize ourselves, we'll fail. If we try and copy a particular album or a particular period, we'll fail. If we apply outside pressure to be something that we're not, we'll fail. What we need to do is you need, you were Mantis, you are Mantis, and you will be Mantis. You need to play like you, write like you, and, and, and that's it. And the same for myself and Abaddon. We just need to be ourselves. So it's an honest album put together honestly and, and like it or loathe it. It's what it is and it's who we are. And and we can't be any more honest than that. So nothing was manipulated. It's as, it's as, as pure as it can be from what we could give. I love the use of the word Ave, Ave Satanas. It's really subversive in a kind of way because, you know, it's... Both it can, as you talked about, it's a hail to people, but it's also a hail to Satan, and it's kind of not, not everyone necessarily knows Ave is hail. Why did you choose to use the Latin instead of just saying hail? 
Well, because, you know, I have an affinity with Italy for a start. Uh, so, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, Latin was born out of uh, Rome uh, and a tribe called the Latines. And, um, you know, and I was raised as a Roman Catholic. So it all seemed to fit together quite nicely. Um, and, you know, Ave Satanis came first, the title of the track. And and then I thought, Ave, yeah, that's what we need to do. We need to thank everybody. So I took the Ave out and used that as the as the thank you. Um, so it was kind of a happy accident. Again, it did it itself. You know, I didn't manipulate it. It just was already there and we just subtracted it. But, you know, the, 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 from the cover itself uh, to the title track, you know, Ave Satanis. Yes, Hail Satanis. But, you know, the, the idea is, is if you look at it, it, it you know, it, it, is it the end of the world or is it the beginning of the world? Well, we see a barren landscape, a darkened sky foreboding. Is that the birth of a planet or the, the death of the planet? You know, a, a barren, a dry landscape. You can see the original temple is there, David's temple. You can see Adam and Eve and the, the tree of knowledge. You, he's there with his serpents and he has his pan and he's a huge, gigantic, muscular foreboding figure, you know, but on his forehead is the Luciferian sigil, which denotes Lucifer, the light bringer, the bringer of knowledge. You know, he was he was set a task to look after man and to guide him and to give him knowledge. And maybe that's what he's doing. He's passively walking towards you. There's no cracked earth with demons pouring out. There's no nuclear blasts going off. Uh, there's no Holocaust uh, uh, happening behind him. It's very quiet, very passive. It's just foreboding. And, and it's kind of a way of saying, you know, much like uh, obvious Satanis is like, heal to the light bringer, heal to the knowledge. Uh, it's like question yourself with all of the knowledge that we have, with all of the the, the, the things we can see and hear and, and we know about our, our, our mankind on this small piece of rock that's floating in an infinite universe, um, are, we, are we really taking charge of ourselves and embracing what the possibilities are? Or are we, with one hand, trying to find a cure for cancer uh, and on the other hand, chopping people's heads off and blowing up children? You know, what the fuck is that about? So it, it, it's, it's not to preach anything, but it's to say if, if Satanus is the light bringer uh, and the knowledge bringer, then shouldn't we be hailing the knowledge? Shouldn't we be looking to what we know instead of sometimes reverting to a very primitive state where, you know, we, we have, a, we have a, a, some guy cuts us off at a roundabout and you want to get out and f shoot him to death? It's like, right, he did only just cut you off. It could have been on purpose. He might just be a knob end. Uh, you could just go dick and drive off. You know, you don't have to get out and machete him to death because you're so angry, you know. And, and it's those kind of questions, just to question who we are and what we're doing. And, you know, th that's why it's symbolic. The song is symbolic as a question, you know. Um, uh, and, you know, the cover is the same, you know. It, it, it could be the beginning or it could be the end. You know, but it's down to us which one we choose, you know. Uh, but with the knowledge we have uh, uh, and the brains that we use, when we can be so incredibly ingenious and constructive, you know, do we really want to disseminate ourselves uh, with the other hand, you know? Which path do you take, the right or the left? And that's the kind of theme. You're getting at a key detail I wanted to ask you about the album. The, the two animals to the left... That, yes. Is that a lamb and a goat? 
No, they're both lambs. Uh, oh. The idea is that uh, uh, the lambs represent, of course, humanity, and uh, and Lucifer, that was his task, was to guide humanity, to, to guide them to a better way, to, to give, feed them knowledge that they would need to, to, to be able to survive and to flourish. Um, but inside, if you look at the second lamb, the one that's not next to Lucifer's legs, um, there's an eye in his eye is torn. So you can see that it's actually a wolf inside is the intimation. It's a wolf in sheep's clothing. And that's the idea to go, these are the lambs that need to be guided, but inside there is something else, you know? Much like when the, the song Dying Fly speaks of, you know, the inner you, the, the, the hidden you, the, the dark you, you know? Your mum knows you better than anybody else. Your dad knows you, your brothers, your sisters, your partner, probably say your best friend say, oh, I know him like I know myself. Yes, he does, but they all do. But there is a piece of you that nobody knows, only you know. It could be a little perversion, it could be a little secret you in the middle of the night, but it is there. It could be a thought you have at some point, but it is there. And the difference is, is some people, uh, um, some people allow those thoughts to overcome them, and some people don't, you know. And and it depends on, you know, your situation, where you are, you know, how you were brought up, the influences on you. But it, it, it can cast us into different ways, and so that's symbolic of the lambs. Look, they're just lambs. Look at them. They're cute. They're cuddly. They're all just innocent, like mankind. But inside, some there's a wolf, you know, waiting. Pounds, you know, and um, and again, so that's the symbology of that. Mm, interesting. You have a clearly like a very sort of deep thought process about these kind of issues, sort of more broadly than kind of religious ideas of Satan. How do you feel about that compared to some of the earlier Venom material, which kind of is the very simplistic idea of Satan? Well, I think you know the the, the, the early Venom stuff was used to uh, to make uh, uh, to make people notice them, you know. And at the time back then, you know, whereas now you can go into any store and see pentagrams everywhere and people singing Satan everywhere and uh, all the bands using every name that you can think of to, to, from demonology in every dictionary or book on 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 the subject, you know. Uh, uh, back then. It was incredibly shocking, certainly from us all being Roman Catholics coming from a very Catholic area as well, to stand up and spit on the church or say, F*** the Virgin Mary or whatever. I was like, what the f*** are you doing? So, you know, people got excited by that, but also got sickened by it or, or scared by it, you know, and that was the impact you wanted, you know. Why do you think kids put the makeup on? They wanted to be noticed, you know. Um, <coughs> so each band you know, tries to find their angle. And I think that was the angle. And it worked, you know. But I think, you know, it's sometimes it maybe it was more cabaret type of vision. You know, it had its impact then. But when you look back now, you know, it seems more, um, you know, more about the storytelling of it. Like, you know, the story of vampires or the story of Dracula or Frankenstein, you know, whatever the effect that they had or the exorcist, it's like, whoa, it's a cool f- scary movie it's based on a truth but the truth isn't like the movie so you know um you you develop that basis and and then you create something around it whereas you know uh, for me being luciferian i i look at the you know what why and what it is and so for me there's more there's more reality in, in, in it. It's not just going, you know, God is good and Satan's bad and, and people who dress in black and have piercings and wear tattoos and listen to Dimmy Burger or f- 
you know, psychopathic evil people and people who work in the gas station and, and you know, carry the shopping home and, and, and have 2.4 kids and, you know, uh, uh, pull a wage every week and listen to nice top 20 stuff or really decent people. It's like, well, you know, if you've ever been to a pub uh, on a Saturday night, you know, you can you can see the people who are kicking off and beating the shit out of each other. And it's generally not the metalheads. So, you know, um, there's a sense of community in metal. And I think for me, it, it, it's that. It's like people, you know, much like the music now and my vision of it is that it, it's about honesty it's about who we are. You know, the guy with tattoos or the girl dressed in black with the makeup on, with her T-shirt on, her, her BMS T-shirt on or whatever. You know, I know who she is. I can see who she is. I can hear what she listens to. I can see how she looks. I can I can see by her actions who she is. And the same with the guy with the tattoos on the bike doing his thing. I can see who he is. You know, but the guy, when the police come in the middle of the night and there's a whole hubbub in your street and they're dragging chopped up bodies out of someone's basement and you find out it was Ted who did it and everybody in the neighborhood goes, oh my God, he was such a nice guy. He was always very quiet. That's what I'm getting at, you know. That's, that's for me, that's the dark side. It's not the, the obvious, it's the non-obvious, you know. So, you know, the, uh, I don't know any, you know, body who is a, uh, leans towards the satanic or Luciferian or any of that who abuses children, um, you know, maybe there is somewhere, but I've never seen anybody uh, uh, commented on that. But, you know, right now in Italy, there's a there's a Catholic priest who's being done up for child abuse. It's like, wow. So, you know, which one's the good one again? Remind me, you know. So I, I guess it's a misinterpretation of people. So for me, it is a bit deeper and it's a bit more, you know, not serious. And, and again, not preaching, not preaching anything. Just observational. Look at look at this and look at that. You know the tenets of of the satanic uh, against the tenets of Christianity. You know the satanic is more Christian than the Christian tenets. You know it doesn't have the same restrictions, but it promotes you know being kind and nice to people. And when you go to a a, a, a show and everybody's slamming into each other and going crazy and someone falls over and they all stop to help that person up well that to me is good that isn't bad these are the same people you think are you know lunatics and, and aggressive and that and yet we would run into a house any metalhead i know would run into a house fire and save someone i mean that says a lot right there you know and 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 so that's kind of where i'm at how are you going about mixing the new and the old songs for the upcoming tour well, the, you know, what's interesting is we realize that when we play the old songs, they're, they're played with a kind of a new passion and a new vibrance. And, and, and we've realized that that's part of our identity. So, you know, doing the new album, uh, because we just embraced that, so it's kind of like the original albums because we play, put in the same passion into our live show and the same passion into the construction of the songs. So, and because we're not trying to change who we are within those songs, it means that they sit in perfectly. You know, last weekend we played Metal Days in Slovenia. Last month we played Silverado at Glen Danzig's festival by special invitation. And at both shows we played Ave Satanis from the album. And, um, you know, normally we play Anomaly Satanis into uh, into uh, Bloodlust, but we changed it. We played Ave Satanis into Bloodlust, and it was 
it was like it was meant to be. It fit perfectly. It sounded right. It there was a continuity to the whole thing, and I think that's it. I think so. The approach to putting the new songs in is just like if we picked songs from the old catalogue and put them in the set. It seems to be doing itself. The identity seems uh, fluid. Seems linear. So it, it, it's um, it's kind of easy. It's kind of easy. Again, another thing that we hadn't foreseen and we haven't planned it just seems to all fit so you know who are we to question it really venom inc their new album are they is out on august 11th tony thank you so much for joining me it was an absolute pleasure man and uh, we shall talk again and i just want to thank you and everybody and just to remind which i may do when we do it again but just to remind everybody that this album has been driven by fans you know keep an open mind you don't have to pick one or the other of the Venom thing or, you know, you, if you like it, you like it if you don't. But keep yourself open to it. Please experience it. We'll be down in Australia in 2018. I promise you we're coming uh, through Japan and Malaysia and New Zealand and, and Australia. Tony was wonderful enough to give me a second chance to follow up or with some other questions I had for him. Um, it's not every day that you get to talk to one of the people involved in you know, one of the most important bands in heavy metal history. So here is the rest of that interview recorded one week later. How's your how's your week been? Yeah, okay. You know, uh, kind of just preparing everything because, of course, the album is out next week. Uh, so doing last minute things, and uh, we did a festival in um, Sardinia last weekend. We've got Leon tomorrow, Silac we play, um, and the weekend before that we were in Slovenia playing the Metal Days Festival, closing the show there. Uh, Marilyn Manson and a whole load of bands with loudness and everything and uh, and then a couple of weeks before that we were in California with Glenn Danzig invited to play at his Blackest of the Black Festival with Ministry and a whole load of other bands Suicidal Tendencies and of course Glenn Danzig closing so yeah it's been pretty kind of hectic but great fun great great fun and, and of course you know trying to promote the album and get people to get excited about it hopefully and, um, and then uh, you know have a I'll have a short break of a week or so, and then we start the world tour in uh, Philadelphia on the first of September. So it's all exciting. Last time we talked, you mentioned you're a Luciferian, and if it's yes. not, if it's not too personal a question, I'm just wondering what that is and what it means to you. Well, you know, I think that uh, you know when I looked at, to uh, uh, you know something to. Uh, believe in. I always look to myself. I was brought as a, brought up as a Roman Catholic, and one thing I learned very quickly is you can absolve anything that you did by going to church and and doing confession. As long as you confined to yourself to uh, going to church, then everything else was okay. You could call yourself a Christian, or uh, and uh, and and still be a non-Christian in your acts. And I found it uh, on reading the Bible, much like the Quran, it's down to uh, or a historical uh, aspect of anything. You know, you can read a book on Waterloo or Gallipoli, um, and it depends on the writer. You know, it was something I never considered when I started to study history. Uh, as a major, I thought, you know, I just assumed if I picked up a history book, or I picked up the Bible, or I picked up, you know, uh, uh, something like uh, uh, an information book that it, it, it was telling me what had actually happened. And very quickly, you realize that that's not the case. It depends on the writer's affiliation, on his leanings, on his thoughts, on his angle, his perspective. And subsequently, you get lots of theorists, you know, 
uh, are there aliens or they're not? Was Roswell this or that? You know, that, you know it, it just becomes a conspiracy and all of those kind of things because it's people have different views on what they perceive it to be, and particularly with a religion, that was it. So I found that uh, being brought up Roman Catholic, just, uh, you know, you were you had to be guilty about everything, and, um, and uh, I, I just didn't see it being a very generous sport. You know, I didn't see the people that were uh, wearing a badge of, of uh, religious affiliation actually being very kind or caring. Not everybody, but that's down to individuals. I don't think it's a, it's a group mentality. I think it's how you are, how you were brought up, what your influences are. So, you know, um, one thing I extracted was if I had to affiliate with any religion, then I can't because I don't associate with any. I'm responsible for what I do. I think I am good and I am bad. I am the black and I am the light. And then I thought, you know, the, the readings, uh, as much stuff on the occult and everything else, just out of interest, like horror movies, watching horror movies, you know, I came to the fact that uh, what I liked about the Lucifer uh, the idea of Lucifer, it was a, a bringer of light. You know, his guidance was to, you know, walk the earth and to bring man knowledge and to shepherd him, to be to look after him. That was what God, the God, uh, uh, gave him to do. And, um, you know, when, when he questioned the God, he was cast out uh, of heaven and, and made to walk the earth for eternity. Well, I figured if he's walking the earth for eternity, I'd rather he was here you know, looking after us and feeding us knowledge than not being here, you know, and um, the twists and the turns have led him to be perceived as being this uh, dark occult uh, evil figure, but I don't think that's quite the case. I mean, you know, uh, Adam and Eve were thrown out of the Garden of Eden for eating from the tree of knowledge, and it was the serpent who encourages them to eat from the knowledge. Well, why, why would he do that? Why would, you know, why would uh, you be thrown out because you know, because you seek knowledge, you know, at school you're encouraged to learn, aren't you? Those people who don't learn are, are those ones that they try and help, you know, the, the people who do learn at a rate, or don't they exceed as students? Aren't they encouraged to learn and then go to college or university and then take, you know, they, it, you know it counteracts itself so much on a very basic level. So I found myself thinking that uh, and discovering that I think people are bit into three, fall into three categories. They fall into the light, they fall into the half light, and they fall into the non-light. And and you can notice people fall into these categories very easily. The light givers are the people who are open, bright, and you know, uh, and you feel good around, you know, and 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 friends want to be with them, and they have a very good outlook on life, and. Um, and they're, they're very attractive in, in their demeanor. Uh, and then you have the half-lights who are, people are okay, but, you know, they have dark times and stuff like that. And they, but they mainly hang about with people like light because those extra light bringers, the full light bringers, they, they kind of top them up and make them feel good where they feel uh, a, a little down, you know, and, th and those are the people who they go to for encouragement. And then you have the non-lights, you know, and those people just drain you because they don't have any light. So they spend all of their time uh, draining other people's lights to feed themselves. Uh, and that's, you know, bad relationships and, 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 and friendships and, and, you know, negative people. They're, they're the people who drain off you. Trolls on the Internet, you know, uh, people who spend their time just endlessly online, you know, slagging everything off. They're the people who, they don't have any light and they want light, so they feed off, 
they feed off everybody's lives. But they take little bits and pieces, so they're never quite uh, filling themselves. They're just uh, they're satiating a moment for a bit, but they're using you as 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 the way to do that. So I guess for me, that's my Luciferian. That is is a bringer of light, a bringer of knowledge. You know, I try and you know if people come to me and talk to me, you know, I try and expose them to the reality of who they are. Not the reality of life. We know what life is. We can see it everywhere, you know, and, and it's each one has their own perception. But some people need to realize who they are in order to improve themselves. So for me, it's about bringing them that light, showing them whether they're full light, half light or non-light, and then, and then encouraging them to, to better themselves by the knowledge of themselves, you know, uh, we dealt. You know, last time we spoke, I talked about that with the album, and that's the idea to to you know to deal with it uh, yourself. Uh, uh, but you can only deal with it if you truly know who you are. You know, truly accept who you are. With like dying flies, with the dark bits inside, like the album cover. You know, him bring. He's coming towards you. Is he just? He's just showing you. You know, he's not charging at you on a horse with a pitchfork he's not coming up from hell to grab your ankle and pull you in he's not signaling you could go up there or down there he's not doing anything he's just coming towards you basically with the picture if someone if someone turned up with a picture of your future your future and sh- and showed you the picture you, you know that's not finite but that does do, do, does show you there's an option this could be where you end up you know it's up to you and the choices you make uh, and a lot of people get confused at what they, what choices they can make, and they're unsure about those choices. And I think uh, by discovering first which which one of the three categories you fall into, then you can explore that. If you're if you're half, if you're none, if you're full light, then you know you can see your own parameters and and hopefully uh, uh, you know make yourself a better person, and then your world around you becomes better. That's very interesting. I appreciate you sharing that with me because that's the first sort of uh, conversation I've kind of had, or you know, not conversation, listening to someone sort of expound upon those kind of ideas. I, I really appreciate that. Um, well, that's, it's a very, it's a very personal thing, Ben, and and you know, it's not about preaching or anything else. That's that's how I feel about it. You know, maybe someone else feels a bit different, but that's again. The individuality of us all is what makes us interesting. You know, if we were all homogenized, we were all the same. You know, it'd be like Stepford Wives. It's like, what's the point? You know, what's what's brilliant about it is that we all see things slightly different. We smell things, taste things, colors. Everything is is different for each one of us. And so, you know, you have to find your own way. But that's how I that's how I embrace it, and that's what I see. You know, light brings us energy. You know, um, uh, you have light in your house. The sun comes out and gives us light. We feed off light. The reason we're actually alive is because of the sunlight. So, you know, uh, the combination of chemicals and everything else. But without the sunlight, you know, nothing, everything dies, as we know, you know. So, you know, so you know, the universe is full of light. If you look up into the night sky, you see light everywhere. So it feeds us. You know, that energy, the electrical energy we have inside it is, is a light-generated source. And so, you know, it, it is part of us. So that's, that's how I see it anyway. you played a lot of shows over the past few years. Do you kind of feel like in some way you're reclaiming the legacy of the kind of prime evil period of Venom, which really surprisingly seems to be kind of overlooked. I was a bit shocked by that doing the research. 
Well, you know, the strange thing is it, it, it was overlooked, quote-unquote, on purpose because uh, Kronos left the band uh, in 88 and uh, uh, as far as he was concerned, it was that was it because Mantis wasn't there. However, uh, Abaddon wanted to continue. There was a deal um, and um, I was integral to getting Mantis back in and, and I said myself that I, w I didn't see it as being a Venom if it had, didn't have more than two members in it. So it had to have Mantis there, otherwise it wasn't, you know, I didn't perceive it as being uh, uh, that. So you could have Abaddon, Kronos, or Mantis, Kronos, uh, 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 or Mantis, Abaddon, to me, but at least two out of the three made it viable. Um, but of course, you know, it wasn't supposed to happen like that. It was supposed to just die, and then Kronos would go to America and become famous as like a Dave Lee Roth type of rock and roll and whatever, and that would be it. Um, but it didn't work like that, and we made a very good album, and, and uh, we went out and did a very successful tour. And there were, the, you know, we got all five stars, t tens out of tens for the album. So it, it the momentum was back after a poor album, a calm before the storm, and possessed, which didn't get great reviews. You know, so it kind of it seemed to be like a return to form, albeit slightly different. And of course. That, that didn't sit well. Once I went in 92 and, and, and Kronos didn't make it in America and came back, he obviously gravitated straight back towards Venom because that's what he was known for and that's where he could make money. And that's why they did the, the casting stone was to because there was a financial, huge financial uh, implication to doing it. Um, you know, and the same thing with Resurrection, a huge amount of money put them into making sure they did that album. But I think I think that's why it was it wasn't overlooked at the time and it wasn't overlooked by fans. Historically it's overlooked because when you have Kronos on a label that owns our master tapes and they refuse to, to release them or reprint them, and then you have him putting box sets out where he doesn't put or through their label which who don't put the period that I was in on there and when his biographies, you know, which have changed over the ten years, like like the weather, uh, one minute my albums are in the thing, then they're not, then I'm mentioned, then I'm not. It's like, you know, it depends on what side of the bed he gets up. And, and he's had basic control, and so has his label, to manipulate the whole thing for the last, uh, you know, 15 years or more. And so, you know, when you try and research it, you know, they're overlooked, on, but on purpose. You know, the, the whole, the whole, his whole take was to eradicate it from the history books. But, you know, the point is, is that uh, it happened just like the Second World War, just like, uh, you know, Napoleon, just like, you know, uh, the discovery of the Americas. You know, it happened. You cannot change history. You can ignore it. You can call it what you like. You can try and do whatever you want. And he's tried to disseminate it over the years at every opportunity. Uh, and, uh, you know, and some people have not even listened to that stuff because, because they think, well, that wasn't, you know, they, they've listened, they've read or they've listened to this diatribe, so they haven't gone near it. But, you know, uh, uh, lots and lots of people have, unfortunately, for everybody else. So that's how it is, you know. I mean, if we could have, if it could have had a fair, a fair boot in the last 20 years, there would have been the re-releases just like everything else, you know. I mean, I think it's wonderful that every, every, 
you know, a couple of months, there's another release of Welcome to Hell, another release of Black Metal, and it's all down to him and his uh, his monetary greed. And yet, then he goes in press and says nobody wants to hear those albums. No, but those albums sell more than any of his other albums. So of course, he's quite happy to keep re-releasing them because money is his uh, is his uh, uh, master, you know. Um, so I think it's very very strange. I, you know, they're overlooked. They are what they are, you know. Um, I think Primeval was produced well and is a good album, and I think the other two were badly produced, and I think they have covers, and I think some of the songs are weak, but there's some good material on there. And I said, if we, I think if we'd stayed in control, myself and Mantis, possibly more, um, they are more involved, let's say, not in control, but more involved, then maybe they would have been better. But uh, we didn't, and that led to us by kind of being un, uh, uninspired in the end. Um, but but like I say, the whole the, the whole idea that those albums in that period have been kind of overlooked is is been on purpose. Um, so you know, I guess people have their own agendas, and and I don't worry about it too much, you know, because at the end of the day, did those albums get made? Yes. Did they go out? Yes. Are they available? Well, no. But you can find all the songs everywhere. But um, they're part of the history of the band, regardless of what anyone wants to say or think. And from a very kind of early period, you know, when the band went wrong, we stepped in and, and corrected things somewhat, and uh, and that led to everything that came afterwards. Had we not done that, had I not gone in there and done that, maybe the rest wouldn't have happened. Because, you know, if you listen to even vocal lines pre-primeval period, um, there's no rolling of R's and, and pronunciations. Uh, and um, there's a different kind of bass attack. And if you listen to Resurrection or Casting Stone after it, you know, there's there's lots of similarities, you know. So there's lots of poaching being done, you know, to try and, you know, mimic it. So I, I don't know. I, you know, I just do what I do, and I, and I me, and I just think music is to be when it's made is to be heard. And so I have a problem with it being tucked under a bed or put in a basement or hidden away or someone trying to eradicate it. I think it's a waste of time. You know, he can he can stand from a mountain and, and talk until he's blue in the face, but it's not going to change things, unfortunately. The thing about bands like um, you know that all go all the way back to the early eighties. It's it's a long time for music to kind of stuck around and still be relevant to people. So what, 30, 30, over 35 years, coming 30, yeah. 20, all, it's a long time. That's more than my lifetime. It's getting up to 40 years. <laughs> yeah. Why do, why do you think this still is something that's relevant to people? Uh, relevant to well, people who even weren't around for that original music? Well, you know, I think there's a, I think it can be relevant or it can be irrelevant, and it depends on the it depends on the the character of the people involved, and it depends on your intention. I think if you intend to just go out and make money, um, there's a nostalgic earn, you know, like Guns and Roses. So people who never saw Guns and Roses want to go out and see Guns and Roses. Those people who did see Guns and Roses when they were 16, 17, and it reminds them of being 16, 17, want to go see Guns and Roses and relive that. You know, and I think so. There's, there's, there's lots of those kind of reasons, and I think the reason uh, from ourselves that that, that it, it, it maintains itself is because you know there's a generation that never got to live through those times and read it in books and and see it on the internet. 
and think, wow, what was it like to be then when, you know, James Hetfield was an 18-year-old, when, you know, maybe when Venom were 20-year-olds, when, you know, when we were, uh, uh, what was it like to be there then? And, and of course, that feeds them. They want to have that because we're in a very different way of presenting music with the internet, of course, streaming, but also the way bands use, uh, uh, you know, all kinds of tricks on stage and, and how it's presented. And we're more, we're more inclined to, to have shows presented to us, um, you know, rather than, you know, it's, it's Rammstein against, I guess, the Sex Pistols, you know, the Sex Pistols, they didn't have pyros and, and ramps and stage effects and all this gravitas. They just went into a club and kicked the f out of everything. It was all purely about the music and the energy. Uh, and and Rammstein, an incredible band, but it's about the stage show, right? like Kiss and stuff. You know, if you break Kiss down, you know some of the songs are kind of weak. You know, as they're not heavy, heavy. But then Gene Simmons is there spitting blood and flying through the sky as a demon, and you're like, wow! So it looks cool, you know. So I think it's, it, there's a different kind of thing, and people, younger people who miss that, want that back. They want that excitement, you know, they want to be in a club losing their mind and feeling the energy, you know, such a resurgence in, you know, death metal. I mean, of course, there's new bands that have exploded, but, you know, all the old gods coming back, you know, you still have Exoduses and Slayers and Obituaries and, you know, everybody's still uh, 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 kicking ass, you know, and, and I think that's it. So I think there's a second generation who are, you know, wanting to feel what what it was like to have that happen so you have a choice when you go out you can go play a festival stage and do your 40 minutes or whatever and take everybody's money and fly home uh, or you can uh, tour and you can go into clubs and you can give them that feeling that you had yeah of course the big shows are good with the pyros and all of that maybe that's good too but um, you can't tour like that unless you're of Kiss Statue or Metallica so it's very costing so you know you, you, you have a choice do you not go somewhere and play because you can't put on all your pyros or do you still go and play well you know I'm an advocate for just go and play you know but at the end of the day if we've got a bomb going off or a backdrop, cool. If we haven't, that doesn't stop the music or the fans from wanting to hear it. So it's like, well, at the end of the day, I'm doing this because of music. I'm not doing it because someone's got a fancy flash bomb that goes off or a bit of smoke or a, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's what you perceive, I guess, as being important. But I think also, the, like I said, each person in their life has it, particularly with music, because it is important, it is your soundtrack. You know, you have a moment where you heard a piece of music that, that you feel changed your life and that uh, expanded into everything else. And and because people have that with Venom, um, it means that all the way along the 40 years, there's there's points, signposts dotted where people join the band and they want to experience that again. So you have those people wanting to experience how they felt the first time they heard it because they were 21 in this place and they heard this record and this friend said this and they want to feel that again. And then you have the new, the newer, younger people who, who it was before their time want to experience that also because that will inspire them and and um, and that's our key, I think. I want them, everybody in there to feel that like it's the first time they heard Sons of Satan, like it's the first time they heard even our new album, but like when you hear our new stuff live, I want you to feel the same when you hear the old stuff, like it, it's like a brand new song, like you've just heard it. You know, the energy should be there, the intent should be there, the, the power should be there, not just playing them as a 
medley, like, da, 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 da. well, not ABBA, you know, and it's, it's like, hang on, it might be cool to walk on stage and, and think you're Mick Jagger, but you're not the Rolling Stones, you know, that's a rock and roll band, this is, this is heavy metal, they all do it, certainly it is, it's, it's a kind of forerunner to extremes, so surely the energy, you know, surely the energy, if you, if you say the word extreme, Ben, just say the word extreme, extreme. I mean, the energy's in there, isn't it? Yeah. You can feel it when you say extreme. It doesn't, you know, they call it extreme sports. They don't call walking to the shop an extreme sport. Why? Because you just walk into the shop. But jumping off a mountain with a handkerchief as a parachute, that's an extreme sport. Why? Because you could die. So there's, a, there's an element of danger and excitement in there. So when they say extreme music, and these are the godfathers of extreme music, I don't want to go and see something that's like just watching a, you know, a sit sitcom or a f cabaret or, you know, some kind of watered-down version. I want to feel excited by it. So that that's where I'm at with the music. But that's what I think is translating to everybody across the board. Let's go back a bit. Like, when, when did you first start becoming a musician? Like, learning bass, singing, how did that all come about? Well, I, you know, I my sister had an acoustic guitar and ended up with only three strings on it. And... Uh, and uh, I kind of never really thought about it until I came back from Canada and I walked into punk rock. And then, uh, you know, I just fell in love with that, you know, uh, particularly bands like, you know, The Roots, uh, uh, Angelic Upstarts, you know, Magazine, um, uh, I mean, Killing Joke, you know, the Dickies, of course, you know, um, it just really, really hit me hard and I just got really into it. And then... You know, I uh, went to see so many punk bands, local bands, and, and, you know, every band I could see from the SLF to the UK subs to, you know, everybody, uh, um, Blondie, you know, just every band I could see, I went to see. And, um, and, and, and it just inspired me. Once I started getting the rougher stuff, I started thinking, well, you know, I kind of like that energy and, and I'd like to take that one step further. So I used to, my sister's acoustic guitar, which she never played, I used to take it out and try and play things on it. No idea what I was doing, but just put records on and just sit there with a the guitar and, and try and play along. And then a friend of mine who uh, we grew up together, you know, suggested that uh, we were walking up actually into Newcastle one summer. We started making up lyrics to a song uh, and then we went and did our thing in town for the afternoon. And then when we were walking home, we started well, that song and we started doing it again. And instead of going uh, separate ways, we went to his house and we wrote the lyrics down. And his brother had a bass guitar one and a, and a uh, copy, both copies of guitar. So we got those two out and then we pretended we were writing a song. We thought we were. And we just started just playing along. And very quickly, it became something we did every Saturday. And then he decided he wanted to play the drums. Uh, had a bit of insurance money coming through so when he was 16 so he got his mom and dad to buy him a basic drum kit and then I took I played guitar I started to play one finger then two fingers uh, and then um, it, it just grew from there and um, we put a band together from school which was a punk band uh, and I sang because I guess nobody else wanted to you know a couple of people sang we did covers a couple of people sang like undertones or whatever the songs that they liked or Devo but uh, for the mainstay I just sang everything 
just because I said, well, I'll sing it, you know. And um, and we did a very, we did a show when we became Attencraft, we did a show, we had a bass player, and the first show we did, uh, his mum and dad came to see, and then after the show, his, said, his mum and dad said, all right, you're not doing that anymore, we want you to do, be a lawyer, and you're going to, you know, you know from college, we were at art college, you're going to go out to university and blah, blah, blah. And so he said, I have to leave. And I said, okay, no problem. Well, I was only playing predominantly the first two strings on the guitar as the rhythm. So I thought, f*** it. So I just took the bass and thought, well, I'm dropping a string. It's much easier. So I did bass vocals and that was it. And from then on, that was it. And then, you know, I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with it. You know, see, I guess sort of kind of seeing Lemmy um, perform for the first time, just blew my mind and I and I realized wow you can do that with that instrument uh, and that was it for me I, I never looked back correct me if I'm kind of mischaracterizing it but it sounds to me like you've kind of Adam Craft has a, a bit more of a punk feel than Venom did how have you kind of moved along towards a kind of more metal direction well the thing is that, that, that we began as kind of a punk act and then and then you know the drummer was very you know he was into ACDC and Saxon uh, uh, eventually and and uh, you know thin Lizzie he was into and so you know and I was on the other end and and he kind of introduced me to it but I think the discovery of Motorhead changed everything because I thought Motorhead wow how can you get that kind of power and and then like Sabbath after that I thought that's really heavy and yet you know the franticness of punk which was frantic you know was unbridled uh, passion uh, and the, the power of those bands uh, in the sound and and kind of that's what inspired me to 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 try and look for that so we you know we did that that's what we did when we were just we were down to three people that's how we attacked it as loud as we could as heavy as we could um uh, as fast as we could or when we were slow we were slow slow so you know trying to really get all of that excitement into it and uh, and some of the stuff just came out punky because that's my nature you know um making that transition you know to to venom was easy and it's why i was like you know of course we were friends and i knew the guys for a long long time but but um it's one of the aspects i liked about them and now in hindsight they all say yeah well we were kind of punks and we had long hair and blah 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 it's like right well they weren't punks none of them liked punk rock none of them went to punk rock shows you know, they they were, you know, punk happened, of course, and I'm sure there was things within there they might have liked, but they certainly weren't punks. But they they were very much metal. And um, and much like Motorhead, who were going playing punk shows, you know, it wasn't, they didn't go out to play to punks, but punks associated to the sound, the gravitas of the music. And the same thing happened with them. Punks were drawn to that in the same feeling that they went to punk because it wasn't, uh, uh, controlled, it wasn't corporate, it wasn't smooth and polished and it was just aggressive and, and chaotic and that was the beauty of punk, you know and, and, and that first album Venom had you know, uh, they only had three days to record it, you know, blah 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 blah. they didn't know what they were doing and it was all a bit like happy, mashy, but because of all of those things, because of that, you know, chaos you got that album so that's why it's out of time and it's not polished and it's not overproduced and it's very raw. And, but that's why, because it just happened. 
and and sometimes that's what the beautiful moments are. And and because of that, I think it, be, it 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 spoke to me as well as lots of other people who were kind of doing the crossover and felt, you know, there was a link between the two. Where was that link? And and Venom was certainly one of the links. Um, you know, and and in a non-satanic way, you know, we were doing our thing, and it was very, you know, it, it spoke to me on the same level as what I was doing. So for me. You know, it was it was fine. It was fine. It was like uh, it was a, a destined destined thing. You know, uh, and maybe because we were, we were out of the same area, I don't know, the same mindset. You know, so when I then stepped over into the band, it was like it was just like being in my own own band. Originally, it's just I was singing about different themes um, than than I had been. You know, your other band, Empire of Evil. Uh, that yeah. you started with Mantis. Now that you're in another band with Mantis and Abaddon, where does Empire, Empire of Evil stand? Well, we we at the point that Mant- uh, Abaddon came in, we were we were um, uh, a little bit away from completing the next album. You know, we we had uh, Health of the Holy out, and then we did a live uh, recording, and then we had Crucified had gone out. Uh, the first one we had was Creatures of the Black, was an EP, and so we had Crucified, and we 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 were close to getting on major deal with Crucified, um, but um, we lost out. So we were just continuing our tour, and we'd written the new album because Crucified was kind of I poached uh, Venom songs from my period that I felt that could have done with a better production and probably were were not performed as well as they as I'd envisaged them. So we got an opportunity to, to revisit and they came out incredible. So I was so happy with it. And that inspired us to do the new album. So I think we had bass and vocals left to put down and some lyrics uh to complete. Um and 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 then we, we put it on a hiatus while we did the thing with Abaddon and we thought that we'd come back to that in a year's time or, or a little round about then. But it just hadn't happened. We've been so busy, we've never got a chance to go back. So what I've actually done now is we plotted in uh, uh, several weeks, two weeks before and two weeks after Christmas, where I will go to Portugal and me and Mantis will complete the album, put all the bass down, put all the, the vocals down, finish off lyrics and any bits and pieces. And then we'll have that ready and we want to try and then put it out in the summer. Um, whether we can then play some shows, we're not sure yet. I mean, ideally we'd like to, but uh, we just have to see what the schedule for Venom Inc. is yet and, and go from there. But certainly Empire is definitely, because it's very different. I mean, we just played in Sardinia, and, and you could be forgiven to think, like, well, hang on, you've got Mantis and the Demolition Man there, Mantis and the Demolition Man there, maybe two different drummers, but what's the difference? They're going to be the same kind of songs with the same voices and the same everything. But we just played a festival in Sardinia the, the weekend, and the promoter, somebody who's worked with us many times with Empire of Evil, and it was the first time he'd done it with Venom Inc. And one of the things he said to me going back to the hotel was, now I get it. He said, man, that is definitely not Empire of Evil. They're two totally different things. And I said, exactly, exactly. But, um, you know, until you actually hear it sonically, I guess, you know, people make up their own sort of uh, stories, really, uh, you know. And so, but yes, definitely there'll be an album finished off. The Unleashed album will be ready to go out in the summer. Excellent. I look forward to that. Tony, um, I cannot tell you how grateful I am for giving me all this time. I, As a fan, I really appreciate it. It's uh, been really yeah, delightful. Very- 
It's a pleasure, absolute pleasure. I'm glad we got to finish it off. And we shall see you very soon. I promise 2018 we shall be on your front door. So tell your mum to put the kettle on and get the bacon sandwiches ready. I shall do. Thank, thank you so much, Tony. Thanks for listening to the Moshpit Backstage Podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and Omni. To find out more about the show, go to www.syn.org.au slash moshpit. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash moshpitonsin and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at moshpitsin. The regular Moshpit radio show broadcasts punk, rock and male tunes and interviews every Thursday nights on Sin 9.7 on FM and digital radios. Listeners outside of Melbourne, Australia can stream Sin 9.7 online at www.syn.org.au. Thanks to Vintage Ruin for the music. Hi, this is Tomato from Flash Gun Apocalypse. Hi, I'm Enid from Girls Go. I am Phoebe Pinnock from Heavenly Axe. Hey, this is Gary Oldman of the Misfits. Hey, this is Kat Sproul from Horizon's Edge, and you're listening to The Moss Pit on Sin FM. Hi, this is Aina from Leopard. Hi, I'm Virginia Lilly from the band Lilly. This is Raoul from 1349. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ali from Eberhead. Hey everybody, this is Charlie Benante with Anthrax, and you are listening to the Mosh Pit on Sims.